Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome to TFS Pod 88. Week one, almost in the bag. We got Clemson and Georgia Tech on the TV behind us, about ready to kick off. Plenty on the week that was to follow. Will Aaron Judge hit 60 home runs? Will Albert Pujols get the 700? Races are hot with a lot of teams in wildcard contention in MLB. It's about the extent of what we're going to talk about MLB-wise probably for the next few weeks. Only in the WNBA can teams score three baskets in three seconds. What do they, just give them open layups? Give yes. them the ball and if you make it and the next team scores? I mean, ridiculous. No sense wasting any more time. Let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. We're going to talk here uh, something we're not going to talk about later, which we have basically since... And I don't, the beginning of the year, golf. Um, live. Uh, you, you can't stay out of the uh, the topic. Um, Pat Perez um, made some comments. A live live event this weekend. Dustin Johnson won his second one. He hadn't won on tour in a while, so went on live. That's cool, Dustin. Um, but Pat Perez, he was on the winning team. Um, Again. They do their threesome, whatever, because he's with DJ. And he apparently doubled his earnings um, and stuff like that, but he made four point seven five million dollars, and he basically said, "Yeah, exhibition golf. You know, it's you don't win four point seven five million dollars in exhibition golf. I mean, yeah, you do because this is exhibition golf, right? You Just, you didn't uh, win it, DJ. Won you didn't it do for anything. You. you did nothing. And there's a guy that shot nineteen over par in the first round of this tournament on Friday." And these guys, he's probably made what five hundred k at the least, depending on how his team ridiculous. did. Ridiculous, yeah, preposterous, unbelievable. I'm tired of this stuff. And then, and then you know, Tiger and Phil, he's talking about this exhibition. They both the winner made nine million when they did their first match back in 2017, I believe it was. So you're lying, Pat. I mean, I, I hate this. I hate this stuff. I hope as long as it can stay off of mainstream TV, that's. That's going to be good because the only way I even knew what was going on or saw any highlights was if they happened to come up on my TikTok and I thumbed through them really quickly after that. So, whatever. Hopefully, it just goes away eventually. Uh, for my podium, it is about time. CFP, I believe, it was Friday announced expansion in 2026, but yet maybe sooner. Not really sure how that's all going to work. 12 teams get in. What does that do for the super conferences that Ryan and I talked about a month or so ago? Does that put them at bay? Does kind of this consolidation and stuff keep happening? I still tend to think, because I thought 12-team playoff with a super SEC and a super Big Ten anyway, I still think it's going to be going that way. I just don't see, even though you're going to give probably a non-Power 5 like an auto berth and whatever, I just don't see that lasting. Because what's going to happen is the first few years that happens, that team, the Houston, SMU, formerly Cincinnati before they joined the Big 12, whatever, are just going to get absolutely slobber-knocked in the playoffs, and nobody's going to want to watch it, and people are going to complain. Why do these teams get in the playoffs? These aren't the best teams. Blah, 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 blah. 
I still think super conferences are going to happen. I think it'll be a little while. Um, you know, ACC contract, if it really has to hold true, goes into the 2030s. Um, you know, even if there's just maybe four eventually, I still think you're going to get to four mega conferences, if not two super conferences, and get to that. But but back on the topic of 12-team playoff, good. That means basically you'll have four kind of wild card games to start. You'll have four teams with buys. It sounds like it's a little bit up in the air, but like the, the lower or the better-seeded team will get to choose, play at home, play at a neutral site. Personally, I like playing the first round of all those playoff games at home. Do it like the NFL. Give the home team a true advantage. If an SEC school, a third SEC school is the 12th seed, and they have to play the number two Big Ten team, um, you know, as like whatever seed that would be, let them play in Wisconsin. Let them play at East Lansing. Let them play in Big Ten territory. That's how it should be. None of this neutral side stuff. You can work the Bulls in in other ways. I don't know all the details. I didn't read all the details. Because, of course, you know, everything that you see come across any ticker says, well, SEC, you know, whatever chairman, whatever his title is, um, you know, commissioner, Sankey says, well, I don't care what Sankey says. And I get it. It could be 2024 because they want it to be sooner than later. But it'll be really interesting the next couple of years to see how the conferences keep shaking out because, oh, by the way, rumors are the Big Ten is talking to Washington and Oregon next um, I still tend to think that probably Stanford and Cal would be right behind that. Then all of a sudden you can kind of break it into a Western division. It all makes sense. The Pac-12 goes bye-bye. It absorbs into something else. All that stuff that we already talked about. Anyway, it all makes for great fodder. It's too bad it's not. It's regular season. It kind of flew under the radar because it's regular season. Nobody cares as much about that. We care about games. And we'll get to the games in a minute. All right, Ryan, who are we throwing the personal foul or... Targeting flag or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This, segment. Um, this week we're going to do um, L- excuse me, LSU receiver Kaishan Boutte. I think that's how you say his name. Nice little French uh, name. Boutte. Yeah. So he was a long search. This guy ranked as uh, one of the better receivers for next year's draft. He's been good the last couple of years for LSU. Played like garbage last night. Only got like three targets or something. And he was mad, visibly mad on the sideline, throwing stuff. They held him out at key points up. in their late drives, too. Um, he was not running hard. He was just acting like a complete, uh, to be honest with you, a complete bitch. And he, um, mm-hmm. he did this. And, and then after the game, he took down all things LSU from his social media. What are you doing, dude? Yeah, I mean, if you watched that game last night, like on LSU's first drive, I don't know if if they miss a you know missed a pass to him or he was open or he was mad. Next play, he kind of half asses a route and it cost them because they were trying to score a touchdown. Ultimately, they kicked a field goal, which you know if you watch the game, they lost by one point, so every point mattered, and almost also caused an interception because he just was lollygagging his route. Like, what the heck? I mean, I thought BK was down there to fix the culture problem that existed. Um, man, they got a lot of work to do because this guy was being a total spotlight on me ass and not a team player and he definitely gets the personal foul for the week all right lots of college football this week we're going to do like we did last week first down is going to be the weekend review second down is going to be the week ahead we got our pick them in there for you know we'll kind of review our picks and stuff for week for first down second down we'll look at our picks for the coming week 
Um, third down, we're going to break in with a bracket again. Fourth down, um, we've got just kind of a, we'll treat it as a hodgepodge. We've got a couple of football-related topics there. So plenty to talk about this week. Um, I just sat there all day Saturday in front of the TV and just, like, kept notes on <laughs> team. So I've got a lot of things that I could cover. Um, well, let's do it this way, Ryan. Let's talk through the Big Ten first and then talk about any other college football at large stuff. So, cool. all right, let's talk first. Indiana, Illinois. I think we both picked Illinois to win that yeah, game. Yeah, we did. Illinois kind of choked, apparently. And that was Friday night, right? So we were in East Lansing. Um, didn't see any of it, per se. Um, yeah, Illinois, considering they had not played, or they had played, and Indiana had not, I really expected it. Even though Indiana was favored, I expected Illinois to win that game kind of handily. And Indiana only had like, I don't even know, 70 yards of total offense in the first yeah, half or they, something like that. They were beating Russia at like 25 yards. Yeah, so I don't know if it was turnovers or what. Didn't obviously see the game. But, I mean, hey, good for Indiana. Start your season with a Big Ten win. Big hit for Illinois because all of a sudden you go from could be 2-0 and and in a season where 6-6 six and six is probably your high watermark. You just take a very winnable game off of your plate right there in that loss. They played Virginia this weekend. I mean, they've got Virginia easy uh, at home, but still. And then they got Chattanooga. Okay, that's probably a win. Um, but at Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, at Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, Northwestern. I mean, they got the tough end of the East, too, playing Michigan State and Michigan um, you know, in particular over there. Like, I boy. Um, and then Indiana was the one easy team. Ooh, that could come back to haunt Illinois. Yeah, I think I for agree. sure. I agree. Um, let's well, let's go back. We'll we'll go back to Thursday night. Ugh. Purdue and Penn State. Um, Purdue choked, choked on applesauce. I mean, uh, let's just say, what what exactly was Purdue's coaching staff thinking? The three times they had the ball inside, like the last six, seven minutes, they threw 16 passes and they ran the ball once. You're up. You're up. I I know you don't have the best ground game, but damn it, find one or or throw or throw high percentage passes. They were throwing these, you know, slants, which, you know, and they're throwing at the stud. What's his name? Joey Joey Porter Porter Jr. Why throw at him? I mean, they're targeting him left and right. What'd you say the stat was something like Ryan? He had six PBUs, which is like the most by a a corner. And I mean, like he's over 10 years. Um, And Purdue kept going at him and they were throwing tough routes. And yeah, there were some tricky, you know, some almost grabs and almost miracles and stuff in there. But like, Really, you need to run the clock. You had the ball three times in the last six and a half, seven minutes and and sitting on a three-point lead. I know you want to be aggressive. I know you want to score. I'm not suggesting you you just run, 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 three and out just to eat two minutes off the clock. But on one of those drives, it might not be a bad thing or at least force Penn State to take their timeouts. Like, I mean, oh, just I can't believe it. Like, Purdue is going to look back at that game in a season that could be pretty decent because they've got some players on that team and they're going to kick themselves for blowing that game because Penn State is still good but not great yeah, and it was a great. chance for Purdue to get a really good win against a, a program it hasn't beaten in a really long time. Um, I had some other like just notes. I don't know if you want to say anything in particular on that game, I, Ryan. I just wasn't. 
I mean, both, yeah, Penn State scored, but they don't impress me. They don't. And yeah, not, Gus Johnson called it the best game-winning drive no, he's ever seen. They're what deep, you, Gus, what are you smoking? They're back four. Pretty good. I, I'll give them that. Yeah. The, the rest of Penn State's underwhelming. Purdue's defense, they missed so many tackles. They were playing like two-hand mm-hmm. touch. They didn't wrap up. They just bounce, like try to body bounce people. I'm not impressed with Penn State. Yeah, good win on the road. Yeah, I mean, Got Purdue, through, but that, the, the missed that tackles. Good. Yeah, the one at the end of the first half was egregious. Oh, oh my gosh. They, like, the guy just bounced off him a tight end and sprinted they, for a touchdown. Sandwich. They had a killer pass interference on that last drive. I At the time, it's funny. I'm like, oh, that doesn't really hurt him because it's only 15 yards and then kept the drive going and kept the momentum going, and I was wrong. Um, Purdue had a lot of holds. They can't run it to eat the clock. I mean, they really literally gifted Penn State that game. And you, in Big Ten play... You cannot do that. I don't care if it's week one or week 12. You you can't no. do that. A um, couple other notes that I had. So, okay, now I see why Drew Allar is like the next big thing. And huge. They're, they're saying, oh, he's going to be the next Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, he's not, doesn't look that big. Well, he, he's a big dude. And he can hurl it in with ease. Yeah. Um, you know, when Clifford had to run in because he had the squirts or whatever was going on with him. I mean, he looked really good. And at the same time, I was saying, is Clifford the answer? I mean, yeah, he led that game-winning drive again, according to Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson literally Gus-gasmed four times that it was the best game-winning drive he's ever seen. Um, Gus, 2015, Michigan State, Iowa ring a bell into the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, come on, give me a break. It was nice. It was a good drive. But there were other great drives on Saturday in college football than that, better than that. Um, I thought Penn State showed a little bit at running back, but it seems like they're missing an outside playmaker. Like they didn't have any wide receiver Washington that really didn't stood do anything. Out to me. Yeah. Um, I still think Purdue didn't try to expose it enough. The middle of the defense is there for the taking. I heard Matt McGloin, former Penn State quarterback, on you know ESPN Radio the other day in the morning show. Um, Dusty and was it Dan, Danny Dusty, and Dusty, Dusty. Yeah. Um, talking about how Penn State's weakness was the middle, and I didn't think Purdue exploited that enough. Um, how about Charlie Jones, a.k.a. Chuck Sizzle, the one good thing from Gus that night gave Charlie Jones for Purdue, the Iowa transfer. No, the frick wonder he transferred from Iowa, and we'll get to that oh. in a minute, but he was targeted, what, like 16 times and had 12 catches? I mean, is he the next great Purdue wide receiver? Um, and then I just have to say it, Jeff Brom. I think he already decided at that point in time he was going to go as Scott Frost for Halloween uh, because he kind of coached that way at the end of the game, I thought. I, I thought that was on the coaches. I didn't think it was on the players uh, at all. No. Um, let's see. What else do we have Big Ten-wise in the middle? We had uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Ho-Hum, whatever. Yeah. They covered the spread. Michigan, Colorado State. They have an issue. I'll tell you. We'll, we'll talk. Actually, let's go quick. Buffalo, Maryland. Eh, Maryland looked decent, not great. Rutgers, nice win over yeah, BC. Very nice, very nice road win. We didn't think that they'd win. That's nope. good for them. Good for Rutgers. That's good yep. for the Big Ten. Nebraska struggled a little bit. Um, again, Pulled away late and another onside kick in that game. Would have been hilarious if they had lost. What is, what is Scott Ross like trying to flip the middle finger at his own crowd that wants his head for doing yeah. it, and then he does it and doesn't get it again? Like That is probably the lowest percentage play in college football, in all of football. Um, just ridiculous ridiculous wisconsin rolled braylon allen's a stud mertz was you know like one incompletion you know what happened last time he had one incompletion he went south after that so <laughs> they were good. playing illinois State. um 
Uh, should we talk Ohio State Notre Dame now? Sure. Ohio State struggled offensively a little bit in the trenches, which is interesting. Um, Stroud looked a little rattled at times. He Notre, didn't have Notre Dame's defense is really good, but yeah. yeah, JSN's out, hamstring issue. That's not good because if that lingers, that could that could be an issue. Um, but I mean, their defense did step up. I'll give them kudos for that. They they dug down when they needed to, and they only allowed ten points. Granted, Notre Dame's playing with a guy that's never started before. It's not like they have a ton of explosive guys, but still, I mean, they dug down. They got the stops they needed to. They got, had a good good drive. Henderson and Williams, really good duo at running back. Stroud will be fine. It's just a matter of getting them in, in rhythm. Well, and I thought um, my takeaway on that, too, was Notre Dame did what teams need to do. They played two safeties back, and they said, you're not going to beat us deep. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to bend, yeah. and we're not going to break. And it worked for a lot of the game, and then Notre Dame, their struggle is going to be to score themselves. They just couldn't score against really Ohio State's defense, defense which, which looked better. But, you know, so they had a really good game plan. And kudos to Ohio State because for the first time, maybe under Ryan Day, at halftime they went in and said, you know what, we're just going to cram it down their throats. We've got two really good running backs. We've got kind of thunder and lightning going between, you know, Henderson and Williams. Um, and that's what they did. And, and then they got a little bit more opportunistic with the pass. C.J. Stroud will be fine. I think it's easy for these guys who are still kids, really, and all is said and done, under the pressure of, like, he knows the numbers he put up last year. You know, he's a kind of a co-favorite to win the Heisman this year, and he struggled a little bit. And it happens. When you take away your yep. best weapon, it's going to happen, and teams are going to scheme, and they're going to prepare. And, look, Notre Dame knew they were playing Ohio State for a year, at least, probably way longer than that, the way schedules are made. You don't think they've been prepping for a while now? You know, and same both ways. Um, so that's what makes week one difficult, I think. But, you know, still a really good win for Ohio State. I think Notre Dame was actually better than I thought. Obviously, they yeah. covered they covered that 17.5-point spread. Uh, I think they might struggle to score the ball a little bit this year. But their quarterback, you know, if, I don't know if he's not a true bad. freshman. He's a not, red, bad. Red not bad. Sophomore. Um, he's pretty good. You know, I think they've got some potential. Um, so we'll see. Notre Dame, I think, will still be a 10, maybe even 11 win team because their schedule's not overly difficult otherwise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a, still a good, and it was, hey, it was two against number five, right? Notre Dame was ranked number five for a reason. Um, they certainly played a lot I tougher. I like Marcus as Freeman. I, I do. Played number five as number five a hell of a lot tougher than Oregon as did as number 11. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, boy. All right, go go on uh, to your next. We one. didn't talk, talk about Michigan. Iowa, South South Dakota State. I uh, the baseball game that was awful. I mean, that was hilariously awful. It was a train wreck. We watched it because it was a train. wreck. It was wreck. hilarious. I mean, I've never seen so many punts in one game in my life. It was the same thing. Iowa would, you know, get it about midfield. They made a field goal, um, and then I think it was three. There was three, three a half, and then they got a couple safeties to get to to seven. But they would, you know, kick. They punt it. From about the 40, 45 yard line, pin South Dakota State inside the 10. They go three and out, punt back to him. It was back and forth like that for forever. The biggest, the biggest play of the game. This was from the announcers that were calling that. The biggest play of the game for Iowa was a nine yard run late in that game. I mean, it was. If that doesn't. We told you their offense is awful. It's even worse. That's an FCS school that they couldn't move the ball on. Yeah. What are they going to do when they play? And I picked them to win the West. I mean, what are they going to do when they actually have to play good teams in the West, teams that can score? Mm-hmm. They can't get into a scoring thon. 
No way. Petrus is not the answer. No way. It scares me for them that he's their that he's starting that he's their best option because imagine how bad their backup is. I, I love the Iowa fan they kept showing in the stadium. One Sleeping. one who was asleep. I had another guy who had a T-shirt on that said, "I cheer for the punter." I don't know if that was the kid's dad or whatever, but that was awesome. Brilliant. I mean, their defense is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong with that. I mean, they phenomenal defense. Fun fact, first team to score seven points in a game without a touchdown since 2000. So it's actually been done before, That's which is ridiculous. shocking. I was kind of hoping for a 5-3 ending so we could get, like, was that a baseball oh, game? I wanted 4-3. I mean, ridiculous. I, I want to say Penn State played somebody to, like, a 5-3 game once. but Unbelievable. That's disgusting football. Michigan. Um... Yeah, they rolled. I mean, we expected that. Colorado State's pretty terrible. Um, so, what did their radio announcer say? This Colorado team is no slouch. No. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're pretty, and if pretty you, dang terrible. Be ready to hear it out of Ann Arbor. You know, September Heisman winners, September National Champions, because they're going to, they might hang 100 on Hawaii this week. That's how bad Hawaii is. And, but get we talked about the JJK dilemma. Um, this is getting worse. I, as a Michigan fan, I wouldn't be happy because. Cade started. He didn't look great. He was ver- visibly frustrated. Um, and then JJ comes in, and they all start playing with themselves once he gets in there. And oh, oh, JJ, oh, he's so good. Oh, bench Cade, all this. And, and Harbaugh's like, oh yeah, JJ looked excellent. He's like, yeah, Cade was all right. You, Who wants to win the job? He wants JJ to win the free. Anybody job. who has a brain. Some of these writers were like, oh, I read afterwards Nicole Arbach and a couple others. Oh, I just finally realized that, you know, he probably really wanted J.J. to win the job because otherwise he would have named Cade. Well, duh. I mean, the guy won 13 games for you last year um, and you didn't name him the outright starter when your other quarterback was injured and missed spring football. Um, Duh. They want JJ to be the quarterback. Ryan and I covered this on the we covered this on the podcast before because what happens if JJ doesn't get the run and he's just kind of splitting time? He's going to go somewhere else where he can be the guy. And Jim doesn't want that because when's he going to get another top notch quarterback recruit? He's not right. But yet you know Cade is a captain, so you're not going to see any division in the first few weeks of the season because they literally have the easiest schedule in the history of mankind. I mean Colorado State. Hawaii and Yukon collectively may end up being the three worst FBS teams yeah, at the end of the year. Pretty awful. And then um, Maryland's not great. Right. Uh, so, you know, and then Iowa, who can't score, which we both picked Iowa to beat Michigan because it's on the road. But three nothing. Now their offense, their defense may be able to slow Michigan down, but that's he, a long way. And McNamara, so. he basically said, you know, he went nine for eighteen, one thirty six touchdown. Most of that came on one freaking pass. Um, he said, um, let's see if I can find this here, his exact thing. Uh, how does McNair think about the arrangement? I would definitely say it's pretty unusual. It was kind of a thing I wasn't expecting by the end of camp. I thought I had my best camp. I thought I put myself in a good position. That was a de- just a decision that Coach went with. And he's, uh, he says he's confident, you know, definitely felt that way. You know, and he's saying, oh, it's not my decision. Um, and this guy, like you said, he's a captain. You think this is dividing their locker room at all? They're like, I, this guy is a won twelve games last year. He, we've not done this in a generation, basically, mm-hmm. and he's gonna, he's not the starter, I, the clear starter. Yeah, JJ's got great potential. Don't get me freaking wrong. Yeah, he's whatever six threes fast. 
pretty good arm. He's more fun. Oh, yeah, just because he's more fun, should he be the starter? No, you go with the guy that's not going to turn the ball over. Right, which is usually the Harbaugh way is to go with the game manager. It's the, it's why they haven't had some spectacular quarterback in his tenure there um, because that's not usually what he goes for. But, again, he sees I've got on one hand, it's the angel and the devil. We talked about it last week. On the one hand, I go with Cade, who is the game manager and who's not going to lose me the game not going to probably turn the ball over very much versus the guy that is the stud recruit. And if he has a great season and then other great quarterbacks are going to want to follow suit and come to Michigan. And I just, man, you're putting your, by not just making the decision at the beginning of the year, you're and then letting the team and or coaches or however they pick their captains down in Ann Arbor, give the other guy, the quarterback, like, Oh, that's that's a tough situation. I mean, Michigan State had a little bit of that with Keith Nickel and Kirk Cousins. Nickel was the guy that was more highly touted. He was a transfer from Oklahoma. Cousins, though, had the you know distance, had the consistency, and had the locker room. And they made a decision. And you know what, Keith said, "Okay, fine." At first, they were kind of going back and forth, and he was the backup. Then they put him at wide receiver because of the the Alamo Bowl issues with guys getting suspended, and he never looked back. And I'm not suggesting that you make JJ a receiver, you make Kate a receiver, well, whatever. But like, make a sure. decision, make a decision, and it's not going to hurt them in the next three weeks because, again, these are probably three of the three to five, maybe seven worst teams in FBS. I get it. You make your schedule a ways in advance. Colorado State can sometimes be good, but UConn has been good like twice ever, and Hawaii coming all the way to the mainland, they're not very good. Like. We're all going to get all up and, oh, how good. Oh, my gosh, Nash. Oh, they should be ranked number two, and they'll climb the rankings and whatever, and we're going to hear it and blah, 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 blah. Just be ready for it if you're not a Michigan fan. I don't care if you're a Spartan fan, Buckeye fan, whatever. Be listen. Be ready for the love fest. Um, JJ's probably going to have 500 yards passing because that's how bad Hawaii is this week. It is what it is, but it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on if that fractures the locker room at all. Oh, well, you know, one thing that we didn't call out in the Purdue game, the uh, deadly pick six, the puke, puke and six. rally, the puke six, the puke and rally, that was pretty good from that, that awesome. Purdue-Penn State game. Guy yakking all over the sideline. After all right, the Michigan pick State, Michigan State Western. All right, Michigan State Western. Um, I'm not as down on things as Ryan was I'm not, game. I, 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 looking back on it, I feel better. I just... I want it to be more tidy. I want it to be more of a yeah, blowout. Yeah, it needs to be more tidy. I agree with that. No, you know, Western had a retro freshman quarterback in. Um, he was okay. You know, he had one big run that kind of skewed their rushing stats a little bit. Michigan State is generally better against the run, although I saw after the game what a couple of defensive tackles were out. Um, that hurts a little bit. A lot of rotation of guys on defense. Um, Winmon, let's just say, I'm oh, going to say... Boy. First player for Michigan State to have four sacks in a game in a long time. I can't 20 remember. Twenty years, basically. Yeah, I mean he's he is in my opinion. I don't. I didn't hear anybody else make this um, comparison. I'm going to go with Julian Peterson. Julian Peterson, big time JUCO linebacker guy that became more a little bit of a situational linebacker, more of a pass rusher, and was just a game game I mean, he could. He had a pick six against Notre Dame in '98. He was just he was all over the place, and win mom with four sacks. And hey, Michigan State had seven sacks. That's a big improvement. 
They got good pressure on the quarterback. Yes, it was a MAC team, but still, they had, they rotated a lot of bodies. Um, there yeah. were a couple people that were missing on the D line again: D tackle Fletcher, a couple guys that I didn't see, but a lot of fresh legs going in there. Um, I thought all in all, the defense was probably it looked pretty know, good. A B B plus. You know, they got after the quarterback pretty well. Uh, they kept plays in front of them. Didn't miss a ton of tackles. No big plays over the top. You know, the one big run where the quarterback just made a great decision. He's like, "Look, I'm just going to draw this thing and go because I know everybody's going to part." You know, like the Red Sea. Um, I thought speed looked pretty good. Uh, you know, the harmful thing is, is all of a sudden I noticed, I didn't even see it happen, you know, no Henderson. And then he's in a knee brace after the game. Supposedly no word that he's out for the season, which is a good thing. But Snow's Darius out. Snow takes friendly fire on a fumble recovery in the second or so quarter. Unfortunately, um, he's out uh, presumably with a torn ACL. He's gone for the season. Sucks for him. Sucks for Michigan State because he was – Putting him at linebacker was the right spot because he could cover in space, but he's also a thumper of a hitter. So the good news is he still has, obviously, years of eligibility left. So he's got you know a couple of years, plus he could probably apply for a red shirt for this year um, and get that year back because he actually had an injury. Still, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State kind of fills in for him. I thought the guys that uh, Mangum and uh, Brooks, Brooks yeah, not filled bad. in Mangum's pretty decent. A nice player. You know, uh, now against Western and this week against Akron who barely beat, I think an NAIA school. I don't even know who St. Francis of Pennsylvania is. Um, I don't, they're not FBS. That's for sure. I don't even know if they're FCS, but regardless, um, you know, they're not going to get a whole, they're going to get guys with reps and experience this week, but you know, then it gets real when you play Michael Penix in Washington, who all of a sudden Washington, whose offense was awful, was pretty good last week. New coach, same guy that was an OC for, Penix at Indiana. Penix has had his way with Michigan State before. That's a few weeks down the road, so we won't get too far out of ourselves. But defensively, I'll, I'll give Michigan State a B, maybe even a B plus at times. Happy with Ben Van things. Zuberman. That was great. Ben Van Zuberman, very, very good. Um, Michigan State definitely has a lot more depth, I would say, um, on defense. And funny, Ronald Williams didn't even play until the fourth quarter, which I, I thought was interesting. He was on special teams, but he didn't play in the secondary, so he was penciled in as a starter. Um so we'll see. Hopefully, you just you look for improvement defensively. Though you give up 13 points, got a couple of fumbles out of the deal. I thought defensively they were fine. Offensively, um, it was very average. Um, you know, yeah, PT, PT was was not on his game. I mean, it was funny because when he was on, he was typical PT, and he was on. But when he was off, he was way off. I mean, it was like worse really than the Peach Bowl when he was kind of off. Um, I don't know if it was because he was playing against dad. I don't know if he just, you know, he didn't have anything to prove because he's not fighting for his job. I don't know if he's pressing too much, you know, like I thought Stroud pressed too much for Ohio State. Um, he made some great throws, but he made some not great throws. Um, I agree with my buddies. I think Reed needs to be targeted more in the yeah, game. I think he only had like six targets. He had two catches, and I think he drew two PIs. Um, one was on a Kim throw after PT was cheap shotted. When I talk about poor officiating this weekend, be consistent with your targeting stuff. Like he got absolutely blasted, and they just called it a personal foul and not targeting. Like you can wave off the targeting, but you can't add the targeting. I had a real problem with that. I had a real problem with Burger's fumble, which kind of stalled Michigan State out early in the third quarter, and he, momentum had clearly been stopped for like three or four seconds. And his knee was down. We could see it in the stadium on the one camera angle we got. 
and they couldn't reverse that one. Um, you know, some good things. Berger looked pretty good. Broussard looked pretty good. Please keep Broussard back at kick return. He'll take one back to the house this year. Neon Keon Guaranteed. looked great. Neon Keon looked good. I DB mean, Daniel Barker looked really good. Bernard with the snag and the snare and run for a touchdown on his first collegiate catch was awesome. Reed did his good things. He had a couple nice catches. Yeah, the one-hander by Barker. I mean, like, Michigan State has more weapons this year than they did last year. Do they have a canine? No. But they have capable runners. Um, I didn't like Michigan State only playing seven guys in the line. Interesting that Baldwin got the start over yeah, Horst. That was weird. Um, not a problem with that, kicking. certainly. But oh, boy. Kicking, yeah. I mean, kickoffs, place, like, PAT is fine, but that was a pretty nasty field goal attempt. That scares me a little bit. Um, you know, Ricky Vaughn, Wild Thing, a.k.a. Hey, Behringer. I mean, he had two punts, 67 and 70 yards. He's not going to be a problem, except for maybe pinning him deep because he kicks it out of the end zone. But um, all in all, I mean, it's fine. A lot of stuff to work on. You know, Mel said so. It was, it was sloppy. Ryan said it was sloppy. I didn't feel like the penalties were too bad. No. Um, but, you know, like Peyton could have run for the one at the end of the second, you know, first half when it could have gone 28-3 to if Michigan State scores there or minimally get a field goal attempt earlier in the game. He makes kind of a bad decision. He argued that, you know, it's a throw I make all the time. I just didn't get my hips turned around for some reason. Uh, I still say take off, slide. I know you got blasted later in the game or whatever, but those are things that will get cleaned up. I'm not worried about those things. Like, I didn't see a talent gap. When I saw the team out there, um, Western fought hard. I think Western's a decent team. Um, not great, but they're decent. Um, and they gave you know Michigan State enough of a battle. And sometimes I think that's a good thing in your first game. Now, let's see if we make some improvements from week one to week two. Um, you know, There's always room for improvement, but I think, in generally speaking, I was pretty happy with Michigan State's yeah, performance. Yeah, we'll take it. One and no. Um, other quickly around, because Pitt, West Virginia, Pitt cool, West Virginia, great cool game. game. Uh, North Carolina, App State, phenomenal. App State scored points. 40 points in the fourth quarter um, and still lost. Like, blew a wide-open two-point conversion. Georgia's still unbelievable. Georgia's just... Florida, big win over Utah. Yeah, and is Oregon that bad, or is Georgia that good, or somewhere both. in between, or both? Um, Utah, Pac-12, I mean, Utah was really the yeah. Pac-12's best shot. They lose at an unranked Florida. They got plenty of time to bounce back, but do they play tough enough teams? No. I don't know. Ill-advised pick. Arkansas, there. Cincinnati, pretty good game. Thirty-one twenty-four win. UTSA, Houston, great game. Oh, phenomenal. another phenomenal game with a comeback and by UTSA. Um, you know LSU, Florida State last night. LSU, oh. funny. BK brings his one assistant coach that went with him as his special teams guru. Awesome. They muffed two punts. They had a field goal blocked, and they had the, the game tying point after attempt blocked. And they lost after they drove 97 yards in a minute 20. So the question to you is, Ryan, in that situation, you're down one. Neither team is ranked, but you're down one. You know, you just either kick it to go to overtime or you go for two. What do you do? I probably would have kicked it. You know, I usually say I would kick it, but the only reason I would give that pause and the announcers even said it was because he had had a kick blocked and it came from the same side there in that case, I might just say, hey, I'm going to go for it. Look, let's not confuse this LSU team with the team that won the national championship a couple years ago. They have a culture issue, which they probably did then too. They actually have 
they probably are in a worse spot on their offensive line. They're like a couple years behind Michigan State. Michigan State's just kind of starting to try to grow out of the O-line. If you don't recruit an O-line consistently, you're in trouble. And their O-line was trouble for them. Bad snaps from a guy who's from Clarkston, Michigan, who doesn't really play center, was starting at center. I think he's typically a guard. Like, boy, just, you know, I know LSU fans, I'm sure, are not happy and BK was not BK on the sidelines. He just stoic. Always arm crossed, blips pursed, didn't say a thing. Super interesting to watch. You can see that, you know, Florida State rallied to the ball, rallied to each other. They they have a culture brewing there under Norvell. Um, LSU has a long, 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 long way road. to go. Um, trying to think if I had any other notes. I mean, week yeah. one, obviously, so much to throw about or to talk about. Um. Oh, let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much it for for me. Um, we could we could talk a whole podcast on first down alone, but how did we do in our picks? You got six right. I got five right. All right, off to tied up, tied up. Going to week two. That's right. Going to week two. All right. Speaking of week two, let's go to second down, and let's talk about what for us is all intents and purposes week one, but technically is week two. Um, where do you want to start, Ryan? Just want to start with the picks and use that to talk through games. Yeah, that's fine. Ohio State, Arkansas State, uh, Ohio State minus forty-four. Oh boy, I'm taking the over or whatever. I'm taking Ohio State to cover it. They're gonna blow them the hell out. <sighs> boy, forty-four points and, uh, is a you lot. Know the coach of Arkansas State is Butch Jones. Really, forty-four is a lot of points, though. You know, I on one hand, I think that they will rebound. On offense, but no, still no Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't think they're going to cover that. I'm going to take Arkansas State in the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Western Illinois, Minnesota. I made up my own line for this because it wasn't out there. Minus 38, Minnesota. I have them covering it because Western, excuse me, Illinois won double A. Yeah, uh, I'll go with that. I, I think they'll cover. Minnesota did a nice job last week covering their 36 and a half point spread. I think we both got that wrong. By the way, 17 out of 19 in my parlay of picking all favorites. Thank you, Utah and LSU, for choking at the goal line, both of you. Losers. Duke Northwestern. Um, Brainiac uh, Bowl. Yeah. Um, I think it's like 8.5 is the spread for North minus 8.5 Northwestern. We're just doing straight here. I'm picking the Wildcats to get the dub. Duke's pretty bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with Northwestern as well. I think Northwestern, obviously, they had a bye um, in week one, or after week one, winning in They're Ireland, proved. and they looked good, so I'm going to definitely go with the win there. Plus, I had a win in that game to begin with. Uh, Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Ohio versus Penn State. Penn State's a 24.5-point favorite. I feel like they're going to easily cover that. Boy, Ohio's like, pretty decent, though, aren't they? I think they're yeah. pretty decent. 24.5? I mean, Penn State scored some points, albeit Purdue's defense isn't that great, but... Uh, I could buy that. I think they'll they'll win by 20, 24 and a half. Yeah. Um, then we got Wisconsin versus Wazoo, Washington State, who struggled with Idaho. Fighting Jason Hansons. Yep, struggled with Idaho last week. Um, 16 and a half was a spread for Wisconsin. It's at Wisconsin. I'm saying I'm saying Washington State's going to cover us hardly. I think they're going to lose by two touchdowns. I think the, the biggest improvement, obviously, you always hear it comes between weeks one and two. Um, well, I think I'll, I'll go with Wisconsin to cover that just to be different. I All think right. they can win by 17. Sounds good. And then we got Maryland versus Charlotte. Maryland's 23 oh, and a half. Charlotte's been destroyed in their first. What are they? 
23 and a half? Yeah, I'm going Maryland to cover. Oh my gosh, yes. Maryland will easily cover that. Yeah. Um, then Michigan State, Akron. Um, I had it, I put it down yesterday when it was 34 was the spread. I don't think this is even close. Michigan State's going to cover that, I think. Wow, 34. I mean, that's what, that'd be 44 to 10. 45 10 against Akron, who's pretty bad. Okay, that's 10 more points, which Michigan State arguably probably should have scored against Western, and they only gave up 13 in that game. Western definitely better than Akron, who had to rally to beat St. Francis of St. Copius of Eastern Nebraska. Um, okay, I'll take that. That's that's a big cover for me, but I'll take Michigan State to cover that 34. Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa's a three. What's the over-under? Seven? Six. Three-and-a-half point favorite Iowa. I think they're going to win this game like 6-3, and it's going to be hilarious. Oh, my gosh. This is straight up. This is at Iowa, right? I believe, yes. Because um, I think it was at Iowa State last year. Let's see. I'm going to look at my – we're going straight up for the pick? Yeah, because it's such a close spread. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's at home. Yeah, I'll take Iowa. Boy, I struggle. I mean, I had them winning this game to begin with, but they better find a way to score points. No kidding. Uh, Virginia versus Illinois. After week one, I would have been like, all right, Illinois. If they'd won against Indiana, I probably would have picked Illinois, but I'm going to pick UVA. They have a very good quarterback in Brennan Armstrong. They have Keaton Thompson, former Mississippi State uh, quarterback. He wears number 98 and plays a receiver, and he's pretty damn good. 6-5. Yeah, I, looking back on my predictions, I had Illinois losing this game to Virginia. I, boy, I mean, I could see them winning it, but I'm going to stick with my original prediction. I'm going Virginia in that one. All right, and then we got um, Purdue versus the Fighting Larry Birds, Indiana State. Made up my Sick own moves. line here. Purdue minus 30. Do you think they cover it? Yes. Uh, then we got Rutgers versus Wagner. Also, there's no line for it because they're one double A. Um, I r- put Rutgers minus thirty five as the spread, and I said they will cover it. Ooh, boy, I don't know. I mean, Rutgers got a nice win, but they played like three quarterbacks in the first series in that game. Thirty five, you said? Yeah. All right, I can buy it. Then we've got a couple more here. Hang on. Uh, Georgia State versus Nebraska. Or, I'm sorry, Georgia Southern versus Nebraska. Clay Helton is the coach of uh, Georgia Southern. Apparently they had like 600 yards of offense the other day. I'm taking, I think they're the are they the Eagles or like the something, some bird. I'm taking them to cover. What's the? 22 spread? against Nebraska. And they won by and 21 against And they scored a lot the, of points. Yeah. I, I think Georgia Southern will cover that. Yeah. This one's hilarious. Michigan is a 46-point favorite against Hawaii. They're going to cover it. I'm telling you oh, right now they're going to cover that's it. That's not even close. They're going to try to score 100 points. Yeah, they're they're going to they're going to probably win by 70. I mean, again, if Vanderbilt can beat Hawaii 63 to 10 after traveling across the globe to go play them, this is not even going to be. I mean, they'll probably start pulling students out. Maybe like Surrender Cobra dude from the punt game, you know, in 2015, let him be quarterback for no a kidding. series. Uh, then last Big Ten game, Idaho versus Indiana. Indiana, 24-point favorite. I, I'll take them to cover. But, but Idaho only lost to Wazoo by seven. I'll give you. I'll tell you that. Indiana's not going to cover. Indiana's offense is not very good. I, they'll, they'll win, but they're not going to win Potatoes. Yeah, I'm going with potatoes. Then we got, we got NFL this weekend, folks. It's back. Lions-Eagles, that's the only one we're going to pick. Uh, I'm going... With the cardiac cats 
and a high-scoring affair. I don't think the Lions can stop a running quarterback, but I think that they can score with these guys. Where is it? It's at it's at Ford. Straight up? Straight up. Yeah. I'll go with the Lions. Restore the roar, baby. Do we have any other college games to pick? No, nope, that's all. A couple the good ones. Pitt, Tennessee. Pitt, Tennessee. Tennessee. We got Louisville, UCF, hilarious. Louisville, Louisville lost. smashed by Syracuse. Alabama, Texas. That's not even going to be close. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to watch, though, because uh, the Blue Bloods. Arkansas versus South Carolina. Versus, uh, South Carolina. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. It's in Fayetteville. Um, I'm trying to see what else we got. Another fun group of five. UTSA versus Army. Um... Nothing else really that's really, Appalachian State, Texas A&M. That'd be hilarious if they won. Um, that was another game we talked East Carolina should have beat NC State. Both of yeah. the North Carolina teams should not, have lost. Nothing else is really crazy. Point. It was um, the weekend of almost upsets last yeah, year. Yeah, USC versus Stanford. I mean, that's a little in-state, but Stanford's not. USC, where they had three pick about. sixes in, the last, in their something, opener. Something crazy. Ridiculous. UCLA, the lowest ever attendance at the Rose Bowl. Baylor uh, versus BYU, that's a big game. Yeah. That Future game. Uh, Big 12 rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good one, too. That's so. about it. Then we got Rams, Bills on Thursday for for football. That'll be fun. Um, Before it moves to Amazon and you have to get yet another yeah, subscription yes. to something. Yes. But that's it. All right. Well, if you listen to the intro this week, you notice that we didn't have a commercial, so I'm going to take a quick break to give a word from our presenting sponsor here between second and third down teammaters realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way the enders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the grand rapids michigan area and are here to serve you today learn more at teamenders.com all right moving to third down and we're going to go to the bracket this week. I just put this together while we were out for a Labor Day dinner. Uh, we're going to go best Michigan State running back since 2000. Oh, this will be fun. All right. So we got in the first bracket, uh, number one seed K9 mm-hmm. against number four seed Larry Caper. Oh, that's not even close. I love Larry Caper, but Kenneth is... Uh... He's in a whole different world. Yeah, he's in a whole different world. Now, number two seed, Deandra Cobb, who was probably an even better kick returner than running back, against number three seed, Edwin Baker. Ooh. Um, let's go Cobb. I, I like Baker, but he fumbled too much for my liking. I'm going to go with Baker, who's on some of some better teams for Michigan State. Uh, and then K-9 and Cobb oh, for you. Definitely K-9. And K-9 and Baker, definitely K-9. All right, second bracket. Number one seed, TJ Duckett, against number four seed, I Ain't Your Mama, Madre London. Madre was sneaky good, but TJ is a freaking stud, man. He was a beast. He, 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 hovered, a beast. The, he hovered the 90s and the I 2000s. Mean, he was an absolute tank. They he called was. him the bulldozer. Yeah, TJ for sure. Number two seed, Jeremy Langford, against number three seed, Tricky, because he kind of bounced around positions and ultimately played H-back, but Connor Hayward. Uh, Connor was great. I mean, loved him for what he did, but uh, Jay Lang was special. I think he, I think he had like fourteen straight Big Ten games with a hundred plus yards rushing, something absurd. And this was a guy who went from was running a, back to defensive back to wide receiver, 
yeah, some he, circuitous. We didn't even know he was going to be our running back until like three weeks into the season that year. And then and just crazy went phenomenal. off. I, I'm going to go with Langford as well. Hayward did some good things for Michigan State, though, especially as an H back. Good blocker. Good, actually, a good kick returner and punt returner, yeah, even first. if he wasn't very fast. Um, all right, so we both have TJ against Jeremy. I'll go Jay Lang. Ryan's going to go Jay Lang. I got to go TJ. Uh, Jay Lang was on obviously a Rose Bowl winning team. He was on Got better Michigan State teams, but TJ was a freaking beast. All right, number one seed in the third bracket, Javon Ringer against number My four boy. seed, the Muscle Hamster, Nick Hill. Oh, um, Javon was Javon he was, was special. special. He, he was, was. He's one of my. He's probably my favorite Michigan State football player of all and time. And a good dude. Aside yeah, from def- Cousins, def- he probably Ringer. is. He's just an absolute tireless worker. I love him. And then you got your number two seed who has had his best years. Actually, both of these guys had their best years freshmen. Two seed LJ Scott against three seed Elijah Collins. Uh, LJ. Yeah, Big, LJ. One, arguably one of the biggest plays in Michigan State football history. Yep, the reach. Uh, and for both of us, Ringer against Scott. Javon. Yeah, not even close. J- Javon was special. Uh, final bracket, Le'Veon Bell, number one seed against Gerald Holmes, number four seed. Uh, Two twenty fours there, Le'Veon. Such a he's an idiot. He's an idiot he's, after the fact, but he was a special he, player at Michigan he State. He's an absolute monster. And number two seed Ju Kalkrick against number three seed Jason Teague. Kalkrick was a beast. Uh, Ju, he was a touchdown machine inside the three yeah, yard line. Ju was he was a beast, almost more like a fullback. I would go with that. He's and then Le'Veon t- against Ju. Oh, Le'Veon. Yeah, Le'Veon for sure. So I had all chalk. You had a two seed in there. So you've got. Canine against Jeremy Langford. Canine. And I got Canine against TJ, and I'm going to go Canine as well. And then um, we both had Javon against Le'Veon. Javon. And I'm going to do the same, Javon. And then Canine versus Javon. Canine. I'm going to go, I'll go different. I'll go with Ringer. Ryan will go Canine only because Javon did it over a, he did for four, over four years. years. Um, and at times he was all Michigan State had, uh, but K nine was special. I mean, a, a, for a one year guy to be, you know, arguably in the top five all time of Michigan State's really great running backs all time, not just of the two thousands. Um, phenomenal, miss him, but excited to see what happens for Michigan State this year at the tailback position. Speaking of which, neither Collins nor Simmons got any run. Joyner got a couple think, of third down think plays. Thank the good Lord that Simmons um, didn't get any I think Berger Broussard's going to be a good one-two punch for Michigan State. I, I really do. I think they're going to be just fine. All right, and fourth down. This was something Chris sent a couple weeks ago. Um, shout out to the crew coming back to EL this oh boy, weekend. Oh, it's going to be a movie. Oh, man. Come to the best gam tailgate at the right-hand side of... Ramp 7, I mean, epic tailgate. If we don't get Meyer tailgater of the game for this one, screw Meyer. I'll never shop there again because we literally have Ryan's crew coming back. We have my whole crew and their families coming back. We have our family family that's going to be there. Literally like 50 people. It's going to be off the hook. It's a 7 o'clock tailgate start to a 4 o'clock game coming off of a night of debauchery in East Lansing. It's going to be crazy. We're looking forward to it. If you want, uh, mention this podcast and find Ryan or I and mention it. We'll, we'll do, do a shot, we'll with, do a you. shot with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the front entrance on the right-hand side, ramp seven. I'm not going to give you any more hints, but you can figure it out. All right. So anyway, this this topic came from Chris a couple weeks ago. Somebody had posted on TikTok, 
said yards after catch should not count as passing yards. Convince me otherwise. So, Ryan, my question to you, we like to do this with golf, is come up with the questions. Should yak yards after catch count as passing yards? I think it should. I mean, what else would you would yeah, call them rushing yards? Yard. I mean, they're receiving yards already, so. Yeah, I, I know it should count for passing. And, and here's why. Because quarterbacks also take the blame for interceptions, even if the receiver runs the wrong route, the receiver drops, drops it. it, the receiver tips it. it. So it goes both ways. Um, I, I, I get the overall point. I guess you'd put it into its own category. Record books would never be touched again because there's a lot of quarterbacks, like in the West Coast, that throw short and they have fast receivers across the middle that can just take it to the house. Um, I think without a doubt, yards after catch should count as a passing um, stat. But here's another one. In the NFL, sacks, I believe, come out of the passing, passing yards. I think that's true. But in the NCAA, they come out of rushing yards. Um, of course, the minus 48 game or whatever Michigan rushed for, that was because of sacks. But I believe that, that, that that's not – it shouldn't necessarily count against the quarterback, but it shouldn't count against running back either. That's not a rush play. A quarterback gets sacked on a passing play. It yeah, should if he's count scrambling, trying to run, yeah. But if he just gets sacked in the pocket, yeah, no pass yards. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do that. Like you could have you have spotters and you have guys that make the call on stuff like that. If you really want to, you know, slice and dice it, then do that. Yeah. If a guy breaks the pocket and he's trying to to sprint and he's probably going to only lose a yard or two anyway in those cases, then you want to call that rushing yards. Fine. Um, but if it's a pass play, drop back to pass, and he gets dropped in the sack. I think, just like the NFL does it, college football should have that come against passing yards. So you get the plus of the yards after catch, but you get the negative of interceptions. You get the negative of that. Any other crazy stats or rules? I'll give you a rule that I don't like. This whole notion, and we saw it a couple times this weekend, and it's been around for a while, but the whole you can't suplex somebody on a tackle. Like if it's you if you man. meet somebody in the hole and you and you drive into them and you get them off your feet and you drive them into the ground with your arms wrapped around them and you twist when you do it. How is that How is that unnecessary roughness? That is a textbook tackle. It's football. And they're calling 15-yard penalties on that. And I like. And now all of a sudden, more than ever, they're trying to protect the quarterbacks. As soon as a quarterback gives himself up and you hit him, it's a 15-yard unnecessary Not roughness. Not state, apparently. Well... Unnecessary Penalty, roughness, but yes, but but the targeting, the targeting is there so inconsistent. Like if you're gonna call it, call it's so it, bad. call it every time, and then let re because you replay. They always review them, so call it targeting every time, and then let replay overturn it. Don't ever err on the other side, like what happened to Peyton Thorn, because he got absolutely blatantly, I think, cheap shot lit up. To be honest, um, and they only called unnecessary roughness. Not, not that it ultimately would have mattered, except for that guy would have been tossed, and rightfully so. Um, but I I have a problem with it automatically being 15 yards of unnecessary roughness. I think there needs to be some judgment there. Like, guys are doing all they can most of the time to avoid those hits. And I think, you know, if you need to review it, games are super long, and I'm not a fan of these huge long reviews. You should be able to tell in 15 seconds, like, did a guy have intent was he dropping in or was he just trying to fly over and he was giving up his body? I mean, you can make that call. You can make that call. I'm convinced you can make that call and save some unnecessary roughness penalties, I believe. I really agree. And at the same time, these pick up a guy and throw him into the ground tackles, 
We're not talking patty cakes. We're not talking fifth grade recess. It's freaking college football. That is not a penalty ever, in my opinion. Any other rules or things like that? That no, not really. Get on, get refs you get your together. Yeah, well, I, just, funny. I guess that's early for the refs too, but still get zero stuff zero through a little over a quarter in the Clemson game. Their offense still sucks. Ugh. Yeah, against Georgia Tech, who's not very good. And Clemson was favored by like 20, 20 points, I think, weren't they? Twenty some points. All right, moving on to the sprint. Spot number one, Ryan, this is your suggestion. Who you got for the Super Bowl this year? Uh, my early pick, I'm going to go, it's cliche, but the Bills, they're going to be really Bills to win it? Playing against who? Bills versus, I'm trying to think. Um, we'll say Bills versus Buccaneers. We'll get another Brady's last hurrah. I'm going to go Rams-Bills uh, rematch of That'd week one, and I think the Rams are going to repeat as long as Stafford stays healthy with that elbow. Uh, sprint spot number two, bigger loss for Michigan State. We don't know how long one of them's out. We know one's out for the season, but Henderson or Snow? Henderson, if he's out long-term, I think that's very big. Yeah, quarterback of the defense, five-year five year starter or whatever, I, I agree. They're both big losses, but I think Henderson's a little tougher to overcome. Uh, we'll see what Mangum's got when we start to play really good teams here um, coming up. Sprint spot number three, who will be the Lions' best player this season? Um, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I got the same. I think I think he's going to be. Um, oh, there's points. He's going to be really good for them. Uh, I think he's got the opportunity to to be special. If you watch Hard Knocks, do Staley believes it? He's just trying to get him to believe it in himself. Um, so we shall see there. And then finally, since we didn't spend any time on pro football really this week, who wins the NFC North? Packers. Lions, I think, have a chance to be close-ish, but it's the Packers. I'm going with my new favorite team, the Vikings. All right. Tough. All right, Ryan, Give us a social media wrap. Final score 35, you know what to do. I tweeted out earlier about our tailgate, so you better retweet it. We're going to get Myers' attention and Michigan State Athletics. Yeah, we deserve that. I'm telling you what. Uncle Bob. He's the man. He's the legend. He's the man. The, the guy best. gets there. An hour, hour, and he'll be there from Midland. He'll be there 5.30, 5.45, waiting to get in. He made He's friends the with the parking ladies, so he can. they'll let him in early and unload so he can set up. And then he's like, fine, I'll get back in line. He's nice to everybody, so they'll give him that grace. I mean, the guy just keeps adding to stuff. We got our new sign, the Best Gam Tailgate. We've got now four tents. We've got more tables that he's got coming. We've got the Blackstone. I handle the cooking because he does all the setup. He is a legend for tailgating. Um, he's watched it. This is, I think, he said this is his twentieth or twenty-first season of, of football tickets at Michigan State with us. Um, you got to come to a tailgate, one hundred percent for sure. All right, final re- final shout out to our uh, presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Fantastic people, great realtors. If you have realty needs in West Michigan, look them up. TeamAnders.com. Meantime. In honor of the late, great John Madden, and particularly, if you're looking for a fantasy football superstar this week with fantasy drafts, here's a guy who can use his arms and his legs at the same time. 